and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 179 of the Cana Rince Podcast. You can play along with us at Cana Rince, and our next five issues uh, will include Killer 7, then it's Halo 2, which is the start of a run of Halo games leading up to the release of Halo 5 Guardians later in the year. We have a Frequency and Amplitude podcast, uh, I suppose in celebration of the return of Rock Band later this year as well. Then we have uh, Supergiant's Transistor, and after that we have 999, nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. I think it's really important, this issue, that we say welcome to our many, many new listeners. Uh, a lot of you have been uh, pointed in our direction by uh, an article, uh, a feature on uh, Vice.com, also uh, on Vice Gaming, Vice UK, uh, written by uh, a freelance journalist who contacted uh, me to interview me about Kana Rince Jaeger Gravening. And uh, we're incredibly grateful to him and we're incredibly grateful to have you all along. Um, while podcasts don't give away their listening figures and we will maintain that tradition, uh, it's fair to say that our listenership has multiplied in recent weeks uh, by a... a by an integer so that is uh, that is amazing so um yeah come and uh, join in with all the other stuff we do as well at canarince.com as well as listening to the podcast um you can also uh, read our articles and watch our videos on our youtube channel um you can find out all the different games we have coming up on the podcast right up until issue 100 uh, no sorry 200 in fact uh, later in the year which will be the end of our fourth year our fourth volume as we call them um we also have a merchandise shop so if you like what we do you can support us if you think our logo is cool you can wear it uh, on a t-shirt or a bag um, and we also have a, a facebook page of course and a twitter account at cana rinse um, so do like and follow those respectively Another thing you may or may not be aware of is that as well as this main podcast where we talk about a game each uh, each time we record, we also have a music-focused uh, podcast called Sound of Play, which people are very much enjoying. But, um, but as yet, we don't ha- quite have the listenership for that one that we do for this main podcast. So do check it out if you love games music. We have... Uh, a widely eclectic selection of uh, our own choices and requests from the community in each show uh, and it's a lot of fun both of those uh, if you could subscribe to them on uh, uh, preferably on itunes or whatever you download it on and remember to give us a review on there as well or, or just a, a star rating out of five uh, that's brilliant for us so uh, thanks everybody now joining me, Leon Cox, in this, our eighth Silent Hill issue, we have Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Carl Moon. Hey, guys. 
and Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. The gang is back together. Uh, so the plan sort of was that us four would be the four that went through the entire Silent Hill series. But for one reason or another, we haven't quite managed to do that. I missed one. Carl missed a couple, one or two, um, and uh, things and stuff. But here we are all back together for the final, probably, possibly our final ever Silent Hill cane and rinse. Um, yeah. So there it is. You can find all the others uh, back on the places I previously pointed you to on the website on itunes etc uh here is your customary spoiler warning we will no doubt give away elements of the story right up to the very end uh and like all silent hill games it's a game that i would suggest can be spoiled by finding out what the devil's going on now this was one of only two games ever made by uh, Kuju Entertainment subsidiary Vatra Games, based in the Czech Republic. Their first release was the uh, not very terribly well-received re- uh, um, Green Beret update, or Russian Attack for you Americans, uh, Expatriate. It looked like, to me, uh, like it was a kind of attempt to follow up on um, Grin's uh, Bionic Commando update for Capcom in a similar style, uh, they did a job on Russian Tech, but um, by all accounts, I, I only played the demo. I wasn't terribly impressed, but but uh, the reviews were were pretty uh, poor by and large. And this was their only uh, other game, Silent Hill Downpour, before they were declared bankrupt. Uh, now, the only real um, Japanese involvement from the original, you know, Konami people, HQ, is uh, where Silent Hill started was Kazuya Takahashi, who is the, uh, with the grand sounding title of Executive Vice President of Production. Um, but then uh, the credits take on a more familiar air. They, this game had a lot of producers and senior associate producers and producers and producers, uh, one of which is Tom Hewlett. Now, uh, welcome, Tom Hewlett. Uh, as of recently, he is... Uh, this this very gentleman has uh, made us aware that he has been listening to our podcasts and uh, thankfully so far he says that we haven't uh, contributed to his already quite bad post-traumatic stress disorder from <laughs> the uh, from his experience of having um, taken on the Silent Hill community and in many uh, eyes uh, was kind of he he was the the, the boogeyman the, the pyramid head of of Konami <laughs> in that uh, he you know he 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 represented everything that was wrong to do with Silent Hill and I, and I think having read interviews having spoken with him briefly on Twitter but mostly having listened to him on podcasts and things. Um, I think that's a bit unfair, and I'm not totally, just saying that yeah. because he's now a listener. Because and of course, it could have been worse. He could have been that man now, <laughs> which would have been well, considerably worse than it was then. Yeah, probably mm. true. Yes, yes, yes. Very good point. Um, yeah, the director is credited as Brian Gomez. Uh, the writers we have Devin Shatsky and uh, Tom Hewlett again, and Tom Waltz, who I think is a comics guy. Um, I have a feeling his most of his most of his uh, work, most of his credits come in comics. Interestingly, sound director. I talked about this on uh, Sound of Play sixteen. There's Nathan McCree, uh, who I I still believe for me certainly, if if no one else, is best known for writing the uh, magnificent original Tomb Raider theme tune from the first Tomb Raider. Um, but on this, he wasn't the composer. He was the sound uh, director, so I assume he was more responsible for um, spot effects and, and other incidental audio. Whereas Daniel Licht, who is uh, a, a 
pretty well-known um, TV composer with uh, work on Dexter and Modern Family and uh, things like that. But I suppose, is, would, is Dexter probably his yeah, best Yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Fair enough. Um, and this game came out in 2012, so uh, three years ago now, March, April, most of the world on 360 and PS3. There was no PC version. There's never been a re-release or, or anything like that. It did come out in Japan, uh, but it arrived six months later or so, and only on PlayStation 3, understandably, because the 360 sold uh, about 18 units in Japan. <laughs> That may or may not be accurate. Um, I understand. Now, this is a game, uh, I think it's fair to say, we'll have all experienced some technical issues playing Simul Downpour. Yeah. <laughs> is that fair? Yeah. The, the, odd, the odd one or two. <laughs> the odd one or two. Um, we'll talk about whether it, whether it you know, completely ruins the experience later. Um, there, are some, there are some differences between the two. Um, the the PS3 version in traditional fashion has uh, runs at a lower resolution, resolution does mm. have some anti-aliasing, doesn't have as much screen tearing. Um, 360 version has proper surround sound, um, doesn't have anti-aliasing, but no, and and so you know there are there are differences. I played the 360 version. Um, and my main issue with there was a, there was a spot of very visible tearing, but mainly it was these enormous sudden lurches, uh, well drops in frame rate yeah. um, every yeah. so often. Yeah. Uh, who played? Let, let's go into our histories. Who, Josh? W- which version did you play, and and when? Uh, I I played the PS3 version, um, and I only played it uh, recently for this podcast. Um, friend of the show, Danny Bucks. Uh, lent me his copy once again, so thank you to him. Scrounger. Uh, sorry, um, you're not a student anymore, Josh. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I played the PS3 version of this game, and um, it, it's at times a bit broken, especially the frame rate. Um, it there are moments where it's chugging along at like ten frames per second, you know, or something mm. like that. Um, and I think the thing that worried me the most was it seemed to happen when trophies were unlocked and mm. when it was saving, when it was doing stuff re- that was you know relatively simple for most games to handle. It would suddenly have a panic attack and go, "Oh no, I can't handle this!" And now, it, and, and now it's uncontrollable and I can't play yeah. it. Um, yeah. So on, but that wasn't throughout the entire experience um it, mm. I, I don't I, w- I wouldn't say it ruined the the game um sure. it's it, um it certainly had a negative impact but mm. um it's not uh it's not that frequent um so i i have to say going into this game um i knew nothing about it yeah. uh just absolutely nothing i didn't realize that there was open world portions to this game um i didn't realize there were going to be a bunch of side missions and all of that stuff Mm. so um once again it was it was uh an example of a game where all i knew was that it was received relatively negatively and i went into this game with that mindset and uh, how I ended up feeling uh, feeling about it in the end, uh, we'll find out later on. So uh, relatively negatively is a very good way of putting it because, yes, uh, 
discounting uh, Book of Memories, which we will talk a little about later, uh, this was the uh, the the lowest review scored Silent Hill game up to this point. On average, it averaged uh, under six, 67% uh, for both versions, which, you know, you've, it, it, we are, we've always been, it's always been the same in gaming. Anything below a 7 out of 10, a lot of people just say it's garbage, it's trash. But, uh, you know, my in my experience, that's some of the most interesting games I've ever played have been six to seven out of ten games. So, yeah. so uh, it's yeah. If you were to round this game score up, it would be a seven out of ten game. Put it that way. So it's so it's right, not like yeah. it got a critical kicking around town exactly. But by the yeah. standards that people think um, that they should pay for games, it yeah. didn't do well enough. <laughs> so well, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those crazy things, yeah. isn't it? Where a five is never the average. You know, everyone looks at the, the seven's the midpoint. You can go lower than it just to make a point, but seven's the midpoint. Therefore, anything lower is bad. But like you, Leon, I, I would say that, that that I've enjoyed some sevens incredibly, and uh, I think they're incredibly important to play between all the the, the stellar you know nines and tens because it makes those arguments yeah. seem even better but yeah and you tend to get uh, less of a backlash against mm-hmm. games uh, that, yes. that score like this in fact you tend to get more people coming out <laughs> and going well actually i didn't think it was that bad because they yeah, think that's quite refreshing yeah you think yeah 66 percent. it must be dreadful actually no that means it's average to good so anyway we'll see what we thought of it how much we enjoyed it uh one thing yes uh one positive uh thing in the ps3 versions favor apparently the loading times are slightly improved over the 360s which i did find quite testy um and i assume that's because it installs about a gig of the game to Mm -hmm. hard drive which um and actually i installed the 360 version of the game completely to hard drive as has been something you can do for the last several years now and the loading times were still pretty pretty yeah. sizable i think it's an unreal engine game isn't it yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. uh okay carl did you uh, pick this up at the time i actually borrowed this much like josh um but it was no from this reviewer. game sold so few copies <laughs> exactly <laughs> it was it was actually from a the, the copy i got i was a londa review copy which was actually on the ps3 which is kind of interesting given the uh, you know the, the the even worse frame rate yeah. connected to that version, and and pretty much every review at launch references the poor re- frame rate anyway. So if it was yeah. PS3 versions of playing, they really didn't do themselves any favors. Um, so yeah, I, I got it just prior to uh, actual release. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, like Josh, I had issues, and I think leading up into this podcast, I actually recommended that if anyone had to play it, play the 360 version mm. uh, because the, the frame rate is a. It, it's poor on the 360 but it is noticeably better having seen them both running um yeah. i had big issues with the sound um yeah i'm someone who plays in a in a 5-1 setup and on the ps3 this game completely falls apart uh, you get horrible crackling and sound effects and then absolute silence of the speakers oh. completely ruining the illusion i had to con- actually connect it through my telly and play it stereo mm. which is you know never a not for a survival horror in in yeah. the 2010s. You would expect a, yeah. a surround sound mix, which uh, yeah, the 360 does does offer at least. And, and I mean, it certainly hurt this game because obviously it, it, it put the new mechanic of being able to look over your shoulder for sounds that you hear behind you, and they're completely <laughs> gone. You know, right from the get go when you play it on the PS3. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, I played it on the PS3. I had all the issues that Josh had. Did you finish <laughs> it uh, on uh, just just the once through? Or uh, I know you 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 sometimes get into the whole achievements thing. Did you go for the for the for the full gamut? Uh, play it on the harder difficulties or anything like that? 
I played through for my own enjoyment um, for, for my first time through, completely fresh, no guides, no collectibles, nothing yeah. like that. Um, or at least no collectible guides, I would find what I found. Yeah. Um, and I sent the copy back because obviously it wasn't mine and, and it was for the reviews to do as they were. And it was always one that I intended to pick up again at a later date. But it, it tended to stay around that £20 price, which is relatively cheap. But obviously when you've already completed it, you're still a bit reluctant to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and with no no second-hand copies in any of the shops around here. It's uh, it, it's one that I've, as of yet, been able to pick up second-hand on the PS3. Fair enough. Did you play it on normal? Because, Norm, uh, again, we're, we're back here to another game yes. in the series that has... Uh, separate difficulties for uh, action and puzzles um, you know we've talked about we've talked about every game in the series some of them have no difficulty settings some of them have multiple difficulty settings for different things this one went back to the easy normal or hard for both combat and puzzles I believe if memory serves me right I believe I did it on hard difficulty normal puzzles okay interesting Josh what about you just normal uh, normal normal okay Sean when did you mm. did you rent it did you see it in a rental set? the tables have turned this I is finally the one you bought, bought it. No, day oh one. My. 60 bucks. Yep. Yes, $60. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I I, uh, I was actually pretty interested in it. I, from the previews, uh, people like Tom Hewlett himself um, were saying all the right things in that this was going to be a more psychological uh, adventure and more of a um, callback to the earlier Silent Hills, but also changing things up so um it yeah it sounded really interesting and um i sound all virtuous now but uh <laughs> i was planning on trading it in when i was done finished with it so i can get the hd collection which came out like i think the next week um because this yeah. was in konami was right. having a brilliant idea of putting out three silent hill games in one month wow is it that long ago wow yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um and i kind of wish i kept it instead of the hd collection but Mm. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, day one on, uh, PS3, and, yeah, I would just be repeating everything I've, I've, everyone said about the issues, it was the same yeah. kind of thing. Difficulties? Oh, remember? difficulties, um, I, oh, I think I played it on normal, and then easy puzzle. Because you're an American. No, that's exactly. really... That's so I don't really, get all the washing machine stuff. That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no washing machine puzzles. There's quite a few safe Mm-mm. puzzles. Uh, uh, no, I'm terribly sorry for that awfully xenophobic uh, uh, stab, <laughs> stab at you. Uh, yeah, we've just gained a load of American listeners, so I hardly want to drive them away with my with my British snipiness. You can edit that out if you want, Sean, in fact. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's staying in there. <laughs> so I bought this especially for the podcast. As with Homecoming, um, the pair of them cost me 20 quid, um, £8 for Homecoming, I think, and £12 for Downpour, or possibly the other way around, I forget. Um on ordered online from computer exchange uh i went for the 360 versions of both um based on what little i knew about performance and uh and the fact that i still slightly prefer achievements to trophies overall i suppose <laughs> um i played it on easy combat because i started quite late towards the deadline of uh for us recording and i wanted to make sure i got it finished um i'm not sure actually if i should have 
gone normal because it was really very easy not to die um, <laughs> on easy difficulty. Um, but I don't know. Obviously, I've got no frame of reference as such. But knowing what uh, knowing what I knew about previous Silent Hills, I wasn't expecting the combat to be the most important or satisfying element of the game. Um, we'll obviously we'll get into that. Um, I played the puzzles on normal, but actually, I really wish I'd played them on hard because having looked up the solutions to some of the uh, some of the hard versions of the puzzles, I think they were a lot more interesting. There was like a whole extra layer of puzzling on hard that might have made it uh, more interesting. Anyway, we'll get into that. Um, But yes, I just finished it for the first time ever the other day. And now that is me having completed every Silent Hill game except for Book of Memories and Silent Hill for the Room because I don't have a working copy of it. That's going to bug me until I do it now. Even though I (laughs) listen to the podcast on it, I know what happens and I know... That it was quite annoying for you all, so, <laughs> so we shall see. Uh, now, so this scenario, yes, I didn't. I, I went into it not knowing much about it either. I knew, uh, oh, voila, okay, I guessed from the um, from the title that there would be a, an element of water or rainfall, and indeed in this game that is the trigger, starting with... Uh, you start with your protagonist, your playable character is Murphy Pendleton. We open in uh, a prison being led to the shower block by an obviously dodgy screw. <laughs> and uh, you are basically put inside and knowing nothing at this point, you uh, you are told, commanded by the game. Your, your combat tutorial is to set about this uh, rather unfortunate looking uh, little uh, fat dude. Um, with just a towel on uh, by beating him with a crowbar and stabbing him with a knife and it's all really quite unpleasant yeah Um, it's super brutal it's pretty horrible and there are early hints that there are reasons why you're doing this Um, it talks about uh, it's when it's when Murphy says uh, uh, you used to live near me that that the guy starts to bolt and then you start to think okay he did something. Yeah. He did something, um, and and because this is uh, this is Kane and Rince, we'll start talking about it already. So it turns out that uh, he was a uh, he was the local uh, paedophile, and um, <laughs> is the local paedophile like everyone's got one? It's like exactly. It's like the village idiot. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, we really shouldn't joke about this. I know. Um, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, uh, he was a local paedophile then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Murphy, uh, it turns out, is revealed throughout the course of the game. Um, I, now, this part I never quite got. So there's a flashback at one point to uh, a boat, and it turns out that his kid, Charlie, is it? Uh, yeah. Drowned in a boat. But he blames uh the the pedophile whose name I temporarily escapes me for this and i didn't quite understand what the connection was uh, uh, did he take him out in a boat or I, did he thr- I, uh i i always uh assu- i mean this is an assumption on my part the game doesn't really uh clarify this but i assume that the pedophile um dumped him in the lake yeah, after kind of he killed him um because oh, okay. there's, yeah. there's this repeating motif of bodies in like black bin bags and stuff like that, and yeah, I was wondering true. if that was uh, associated with his son. Um, I think maybe I got 
confused because when I first saw the 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 boat, I was, I was immediately taken back because we'd recently played Homecoming. I was yeah. like, "Hang on, is it, with, isn't this the story to the last game?" And it took me a little while to reconcile that. But yeah, that that makes sense. So he'd actually he'd not only been abusing him, but ultimately he he actually killed him and and dumped him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean Pat- Patrick Napier, the character, well, he, he was a known pedophile, and yeah. A, I can't remember if he was a suspected child killer or a confirmed child killer, but the, okay. was, that was also part of it. Right. So the story goes that uh, Murphy, uh, so uh, Napier does go to jail for uh, for crimes, and uh, Murphy Pendleton is um, obsessed with avenging uh, his his son's horrible uh, experience and death. Uh, to the point that he, um, completely out of character, gets himself uh, banged up in the same prison um, by going on some kind of loony car chase or something like that. Uh, and this is with a view to getting to Napier, to, yeah. to mm-hmm. taking his revenge. So that's the scene that, that, that you open on. Um, but it gets more, uh, as the story goes on, it gets more complicated because, uh, well, so... Th- uh, you have a traditional um, prisoner transfer bus crash um, at, at one stage uh, after soon after this, and uh, you are able to uh, somehow extricate yourself from the wreckage that surely would have killed everyone. Or are you maybe already dead? Uh, it's Silent Hill after all. Um, and uh, the, the the prison warden, female prison warden uh, Anne, who is uh, is clearly there giving you uh, giving you looks. Um, and there's there's more that has happened, and and throughout the game, uh, it becomes uh, clear that uh, she blames you, Murphy, actually for another um, well, a brutal beating and death, not not that of Napier, but in fact of a a good guy prison guard, Pendleton. Uh, no, Pendleton? Um, That's right. no, Coleridge. no, we're Pendleton, uh, Coleridge. Thank yeah, you, Frank Coleridge, who uh, just. Is voiced by one of my very favourite voice acting names of all time, Leah Leary. Leah Leary, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, who was basically a, generally a friend to Murphy in prison. He was a model prisoner, other than uh, stabbing a, a, a paedophile to death. Um, well, I suppose in some prisons that probably makes you a model prisoner. <laughs> um, but uh, I, th- I believe it goes that uh, Murphy actually didn't finish off Napier in the end. Mm. And he left it to uh, the dodgy prison guard, who's again, whose name I've forgotten. Anyone? George Sewell. Sewell, yeah. Sewell correct. Thank you. Um, to do, and so as Murphy was, uh, he felt like Murphy owed him. So um, because because uh, the good screw had the dirt on the bad screw, the bad screw got to, uh, basically insisted that uh, he did. Yeah, uh, put him out of commission, basically. Um, but in the end, it turned out that actually uh, he refused, and in fact, it was Sewell who did himself. But he framed uh, he framed Pendleton, as you'd expect. So, um, sort of, there's kind of multiple um, sort of threads to this. In that, throughout the game, you've got this boogeyman character who, well, you've kind of got multiple boogeyman characters as well, haven't yeah. you? Because um, to to Anne, you are the boogeyman. Um, to you, it's both to, Sewell uh, and, and Napier, Napier. Who, are, yeah. who are the boogeyman. 
Um, and then you've also got this character who you're kind of following throughout the game who you don't realise for the longest time, or you possibly don't if, if you don't twig. Uh, the wheelman, who is a, is a horrifically deformed um, character in a wheelchair, mm. is... Is uh, is Anne's father? Who uh, you were? Even if you didn't do it yourself, you still feel responsible and complicit for for the actions. Now we'll talk about the endings later, uh, and no doubt we'll touch across other elements of the story. But uh, how did you each feel about the overall scenario and the way the the story pans out? Who'd like to go first? Uh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised by the story that Downpour uh, chose to tell. Um, the the first scene where you're brutally murdering, uh, murdering um, the paedophile actually kind of left a bad taste in my mm. mouth at first because mm. I thought, oh, is it is it going to be this kind of horror? Just a, yeah. you know, gruey slasher movie. But as, you know, the story progresses and, and that scene gets more and more context, um, I actually kind of understood what they were trying to achieve with that scene. And, you know, retrospectively, uh, what follows after kind of uh, improves that scene and, and justifies it in my mind. Mm-hmm. And and also having the story be about the uh, the aftermath of revenge mm-hmm. yes. rather than getting uh you know getting revenge in the first place this is kind of a an element of this story arc that video games don't often explore the the story is often about i've got to go kill this guy because right, yeah. i hate him and then there's like a short cut scene of kratos <laughs> going well uh that that i've done that now <laughs> and my life has no purpose so i'll jump off a cliff uh whereas this this game feels like that whole downward spiral you know that downward mm. spiral after uh completing um the revenge of realizing that you know his son's not coming back and all he's left with you know is him is his is himself and his anger and his sorrow and having to deal with the fact that there's no one else he can blame it on now there's no no antagonist force that he can uh, uh, demonize and so he's just left in his own despair but also having his revenge kind of ripple out and affect other people so it's almost infectious uh, he he's passed on his compulsion you know his his need for revenge to uh this sorry i've forgotten her name um uh Anne, is it Anne, yeah. Anne. He, he's basically passed on his his need for revenge to her and how this 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 need for revenge becomes cyclical it just c- keeps going and going and going and the idea that you know taking a life taking revenge is pointless because you're just creating more and more death it doesn't matter how bad the person was you're just you're just continuing this spiral of death and i yeah. was really really impressed with that um i re- i really wasn't expecting th- mm. this kind of story from um a, a later silent hill game um i i honestly feel like it approached um the quality of something like silent hill 2 at points now i don't think the the whole we'll get on to other elements of the game uh i think other elements of the game hold it back but the story itself i was really impressed with yeah i mean i'm kind of in the same boat as josh here 
Uh, I, I think it was a far smarter story than I was expecting going into it. And a lot of it boiled down to the fact that I actually liked Pendleton. I actually liked Murphy as the character coming off the back of, you know, playing Henry in Silent Hill 4 and Travis in Origins um, and then Alex in Homecoming, the three of which I didn't so much like. You know, I didn't mind Travis, but especially Henry and Alex were very, very dull protagonists. I think Murphy I found a far more interesting character because there was a lot of depth added by the story that Josh has just mentioned. Um, and, you know, it, it, that start is a bit like really aggressive and in your face and then the story develops and you start understanding why and you you sort of learn that with the character because obviously he's getting his flashbacks and and whatnot and you you're discovering the story alongside that that character and it doesn't just follow through like oh I've got amnesia I was in the war sort of thing that you know we had with homecoming which is just very boring and predictable and uh, and old you know with with this and uh, you know seeing other people and then other people seeing you as the boogeyman and, and whatnot was you know really clever and and josh has said something straight away which i was going to save for my wrap-up in that this actually has more in line with silent hill 2 um than, than many of the other games in the series even the how the game starts you know it, it it throws you in it doesn't tell you what's going on you discover it all for yourself and you feel very isolated until you actually figure out what you're supposed to be doing the whole startup reminded me of Silent Hill 2 as well as elements of the story. So, uh, yeah, in in that regard, I was very pleasantly surprised by Downfall. Sean? Yeah, I would probably agree with both of you, but my only um, real complaint with the story is that it felt kind of predictable. Like, around... Yeah. I would say around halfway through the game, I kind of... I kind of understood what the twist was going to be mm-hmm. um, with, you know, his son dying and this guy killing him and all this stuff. It seemed like, like they kind of, like you were saying about how the intro, he says, you know, you live next to me. So that immediately puts doubt in your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, with Silent Hill 2, which I would agree, this game probably story-wise emulates the most. Um, I never saw that ending coming. Uh, yeah. when I originally played it and it was such a huge shock at the time and I think that's that kind of sits with a lot, most people who have played Silent Hill 2 and with this one as the ending was coming along I just kind of was like okay yeah I figured this was going to happen you know it's cool it's okay but uh, the execution is is mostly pretty well done I think and um, Mur- Murphy's Murphy's okay I like that he uh, when he gets attacked he screams yeah <laughs> like he screams like a wild man like no one yeah, else in the series it's an interesting one that. David yeah. Boyd Conrad plays Murphy it's his one and only acting credit and and I yep. think it, I, I think it's a, a variable performance I think there are moments where he's where yeah. he's fine yeah. Um, but yeah some of those screams sound a little strangled but it did sound like he he kind of was told to let go and and yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I like yeah. I like that idea more that because. There was something weird at times playing, you know, some of the earlier characters in the series where just this crazy stuff is happening and, and they're barely <laughs> yeah. reacting. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we t- we've talked about the voice acting in the Japanese games and stuff. But, uh, and at least he was kind of he was kind of going for it. One thing I, mm-hmm. I I'm not really sure. And this is just a completely subjective thing. But I felt that he looked he looked too uh, maybe it's just sort of red herring but the fact that he was so handsome and looked yeah, like a yeah. looked like a grizzled prison veteran Good with his guy. scar and everything didn't sit very comfortably <laughs> with actually this guy who was you know up until something awful happened to his kid was you know 
um, just a, a regular guy. And I realise that mm-hmm. doesn't dictate his genes and how handsome he is, but I just thought it was kind of, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I don't know with character design how kind of important it is, you know, for, for screenshots and whatever to make your character look um, something mm-hmm. for something that gamers would aspire to. Maybe having a really plain... Um, character uh, these days doesn't you know doesn't go well with um, you know uh, focus testing or whatever I don't know but sure uh, yeah. but you well, know allowed it in Silent Hill Four well that's <laughs> it and you know and tra- I mean back I spoke yeah I was thinking about Silent Hill One and actually you look at that character and but the graphics didn't allow him to be anything other than a kind of a, a yeah. blob but um, but tra- like Travis um, you know wasn't was you know yeah i guess he he was fairly ordinary looking guy and um i, I, d- I don't know i don't know why it sat comfortably uh, slightly uncomfortably but i just felt he didn't look quite like the character that i felt i was playing yeah yeah i, th- mm. I think it's yeah. a case that, that in silent, the silent hill games you're always the everyman character yeah you usually. know you, yeah. You, you see it in the resident evil games and you, you know you you stars agents and and you know, special training and, and whatnot, and that isn't the case for the Silent Hill games. And mm. I think it's a, certainly a valid point about Murphy. It does stand out. You know, he's got the he's got, he's got that longish hair. He's a good looking guy. It's it's very different to what we've seen in in the in the previous games. Well, maybe that's um, why they did it, just to be you know, yeah. just to, for it not to be another. But vis- visually, it certainly stands out in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. The cast uh, in this game is generally uh, made up of people who don't have a lot of other credits. So we've gone back to uh, we've we've been through um, you know casts, but on the um, and the early games of uh, people sounding like they're not even acting in their first uh, language and possibly weren't in some cases and things like that. Uh, we've had uh, there haven't been too many um, kind of marquee names throughout the Silent Hill series, but but looking at the this, the cast in this one rather like Shattered Memories I think it betrays probably the, the declining budgets um, in that uh, virtually everyone in this uh, has like got one or two or three uh, credits yeah. on things but for all that again I don't think um, n- not to uh, the performances weren't you know distractingly poor there were a couple that I really liked I think um, Bethan Dixon Bate, who literally has one credit uh, as the nun, was absolutely excellent. She actually sounded yes, she sounded like Very good. A, like a, 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 a I mean, maybe she is a stage actor a, actor or something, and that's why she hasn't got many credits on the IMDb. But she she was like standout mm-hmm. good um, with what little she had and also uh, although i didn't enjoy antoine l smith's uh, dj bobby ricks who uh, again falls into the we must have Sorry. an african-american yeah. stereotype in, in in the western developed silent hill games um the uh the postman is that black howard blackwood uh william c tate um i, I felt that that idea was underused this you know the mysterious cypher character who just pops up from time to time and acts like nothing weird's going on but again i thought his performance was um you know had that sort of uh, that pleasantly ethereal quality about it that yeah. made you wonder what was going on yeah i mean in t- in terms i would say that the howard the character howard by uh, william tate was the the clearest speaking of the characters yeah. like I, I i actually had a pleasure hearing him speak to me as a character it wasn't you know in in other games we've always had rushed speech or uh, panicky or you know um like the the voices would be going up and down and it was never that clear and with mm. him it, i always found that i was actually quite fixated to the stuff that he was saying mm. Mm. um it was obviously just the delivery of of his lines um 
genuinely really enjoyed. Yeah, he seemed to have a, him as a character. He seemed to have a good handle on you know that that role that you see in sort of um, horror fantasy fiction of the character who yeah. just mysteriously appears and disappears and gives you little clues or or you know um, as I say, I don't think it was really resolved yeah. for me kind of what his purpose was. Uh, I don't know if I missed something or 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 or, or I'm being obtuse, but. I felt like there w- there should have been some payoff mm-hmm. with that character, but having said that, uh, yeah, I enjoyed his appearances. I was always, you know, intrigued. Um, you know, it reminded me of of uh, before, you know, before Lost jumped the shark. It was that sort of thing where where a character would just kind of appear and right. give some slightly oblique exposition and then disappear off into the undergrowth yeah. again. <laughs> so, um, I suppose, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hackneyed, um, tool, but, but, um, yeah, I just like the fact he was this postman who's delivering letters to this town who, as far as you could work, uh, which as far as you could work out was completely unpopulated other than by, uh, by screaming <laughs> banshee women with nails in their hands and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. He's also, is, is he the first, and I guess only character, at least that I can think of, that, like, he's clearly not real. Like, he's created, well, in yeah. my opinion, he was created by Silent Hill. Like, he's part of James's, or, or sorry, uh, Murphy's story. Um, so I can't think of any Jesus, other... Jesus, it sounds like we've got monsters yeah. <laughs> attacking us in a Silent Hill style. What's going on there? What the hell is that? So they... That is, ironically, a downfall. <laughs> is it set off With an alarm or something? Yeah, the rain's that heavy. It's actually setting off oh, alarms in the street. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yesterday, when I was uh, not yesterday, Friday it was now. When I was uh, finishing downpour, it was uh, it was absolutely bucketing <laughs> down, which was which was quite yeah. excellent. I, it's crazy. <laughs> nice one. All right. Well, you can leave that in as well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, the next topic I've got on the show notes is the weather, um, because this is uh, something new to the series. Now, I never quite uh, completely worked out what, how scripted this was. I got the feeling that it was even even when uh, you're in the bits which are uh, kind of more open world, um, it was uh, it was kind of predetermined when the rain was going to really come down hmm. and stuff like that, but. But the unusual thing was here, um, as well as, uh, you know, water often being an indicator of things about to happen, starting with the showers that you turn on the showers in the in the cell block to steam up the cameras. Um, So water is always the indicator of of incoming uh, horror in Silent Hill's open world, which is the first time we've really had this at all in a in a Silent Hill game. it actually brings kind of more creatures around. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's raining, it makes them harder to kill and stuff like this. So here's a completely new mechanic, really, for the series. Mm-hmm. Did we enjoy this? I didn't, honestly. Um, no? Yeah. yeah it, it, in the first place, it's it just didn't look that great. Like, the, And generally, mm. I don't think the game's a, a looker anyway, but... Um, it just kind of the lightning wasn't so much lightning as it was just big white flashes of light that just kind of like blind you yeah. for a second. And sure. um, I would always just run inside somewhere real fast just because it's also kind of relates to the combat a little bit. But I I couldn't stand the combat. So when it would rain okay. and more monsters would come out, then that would mean more combat. So I would just run and avoid it anytime I could. So I never really never really appreciated the mechanic. Yeah. 
I, I mean, mm. same here. I, I never engaged anyone in combat uh, in the open world setting. I tried to run away as much as possible. So I, I think I just, I simply didn't manage to see the uh, outcome of the uh, rain coming out. So I, yeah, I just, I didn't really engage with this mechanic. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I was another one. As soon as the, as soon as the weather kicked up, um, it just became a, a, a case of just running away from the combat. I mean, it it was more combat, less <laughs> yeah. frames. It was really frustrating. So I just tried to avoid it at all costs, which, you know, it, it's sure. a nice alternative. Um, I'd rather be able to mm-hmm. avoid it than, than actually fight. That's interesting. Um, although I didn't exactly go seeking out the combat, um, and again, we have to bear in mind that I'd gone for the uh, the easy route on the on the difficulty of this um and the monsters seem to be few and far between at the best of times um i did enjoy even though i didn't think yeah i, I agree with you sean i don't think it was visually the you know it wasn't like the best rain i've ever right, seen in a yeah. game um but overall I, I actually think the game looked pretty decent in static shots it's only when it's moving right, yeah, <laughs> that the problems yeah, begin yeah, yeah. there there's some quite nice yeah. last gen graphics i, I yeah. think it's a good looking yeah. game um, but but I enjoyed the mood that the rain brought, mm. um, and as as I just said, when we were being interrupted yes. by actual real life northern <laughs> English rain, um, it was bucketing <laughs> down here in the south of England on on Friday, and the fact that it was uh, hitting the window really, you know, added having hearing that outside mm. kind of added to the whole immersion, the surround sound of the thing. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> putting a rain effect in a game is kind of an easy win. There's something incredibly evocative just about the sound and the look of rain. And a lot of games have it, you know, from games where it, uh, you know, it's not there as a, something to scare you with. Well, I suppose slipping off the road, but, you know, (laughs) thinking about some of the rain in, in weather, weather uh, in, you know, uh, driving games with, with weather effects. Um, you know, I'm think, even thinking back to like the the second Lotus game on the Amiga that had a rainy level, and that was like that hadn't really been yeah. done before, um, not not to that sort of level of of quality. And and I remember you know reviews at the time saying, oh, this rainy level is amazing. It's so atmospheric. Um, and yeah, all the way through uh, my video gaming uh, career, if you will, my uh, you know as much as I like uh, I like snowy areas and whatever. That having a good rain effect in a game. Um, can can just instantly kind of sell an atmosphere to you. Yeah, it, it puts you immediately, uh, you know, at unease and and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a good reference point. Is that it doesn't really matter what genre of game, uh, rain certainly has an effect on on how it's played at that moment or how you feel in that moment. You know, whether you're inside and you hear it from the outside, or certainly if you're outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's very good, and it's something that that the Silent Hill games have sort of missed because it's such an obvious sort of horror trope, isn't it? You see it in all all the horror movies um, that that the rain and night as two key features, and obviously this this has a lot of a lot of. I, rain. I would say that the the main reason why the rain is actually beneficial to this game, and Leon actually touched on this already, but. Water is so thematically uh, important to this game mm-hmm. that yeah. you need that you need that to be the signal of uh, awful things to come. You need that mm-hmm. to be the trigger for the enemies and all of that because the water is just 
it holds a lot of symbolic value in the plot of this game and it's one of the strengths of this game uh, by and large is that it is so thematically consistent Mm -hmm. in regards to how its presentation feeds into the narrative Um, so in in that regard uh, it's used really effectively Um, I I think it's just the mechanical side of things that I, I didn't really enjoy Let's talk yeah. about enemies in combat then, as we've already brushed against it. Uh, so, quite early on, you're introduced to the Screamer, mm-hmm. um, and you're reintroduced to the Screamer over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again throughout the course of the game. Uh, and there's a, there's at least one other type of enemy, um, <laughs> who is this kind of, um, I guess they're meant to be like a sort of rampaging rioting yeah. prisoner monster of some sort. Yeah. And then there are some bigger versions... Um, now I feel I may have missed out on some things because of playing on easy. Um, are there some like bats and things that I missed out on? Possibly? No, no bats. No. I think the one you might be. Oh, you okay. should have seen it in the um, in the caves uh, in the towards the beginning of the game. Yeah. There's like this big lumbering oh, that... thing, but it's called. Oh, a, that's that. Yeah, okay. it's called a weeping bat, yeah, yeah. but it's just a, a big humanoid. Oh monster, yeah, okay. Yeah. The one that crawls about yeah. the ceiling and yeah. drops down, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Oh, okay, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah. so. There are maybe, yeah, again, as with Homecoming, we said there were only a handful of enemy types, Mm -hmm. um, but there were bosses in that. Whereas this, there, I mean, there are, we'll talk about some sort of set piece fights, but there's, there there aren't the usual sequence of different monsters and bosses throughout the game. Um, So all your combat really is spread among a few uh, enemy types. Once again, um, it's interesting this game seems to grab little bits from lots of previous silent hills so the i suppose the the in terms of picking up weapons and using them it's uh now i didn't play four but i think there's an element of four but there's also an element of origins as well isn't there this kind of um breakable chairs and all this sort of Mm -hmm. thing um you can also uh, you can pick up a gun but gun combat and this is pretty limited the ammo is incredibly um yeah Scarce. Uh, yeah. Scarce, yeah. Um, and there are several points where the the game makes you fall down a gap or whatever, uh, you know, scripted, and you lose everything you are holding. I mean, this is the first game where you can actually not pick up a torch or uh, a flashlight, or you can uh, not pick up a, a radio, or what is walkie-talkie in this game. So you've got a slightly different sound effect for incoming monsters, which is the sound of um, sort of... Uh, chatter. Kind of. Indistinct radio yeah. chatter, which I actually quite liked. I thought it made, it made a nice change, and, and again, thematically, it fitted. Um, but, yeah, it's odd in, in that... Um, you never you never have anything in your hand for very long basically in this um and it and it quite often as i say forces changes upon you um i mean straight away i'm going to have to say that leon i think you made a wise decision putting the combat <laughs> on easy because oh, okay. I, I i have to say i despised the combat all the way through this game <laughs> it is it, it it is the single it's the single thing in this game that I think holds it back the most. Um, every encounter I, I had with enemies where I felt like I had no choice but to fight them was a frustrating mess of me like flopping around like a limp noodle <laughs> while these yeah. big like gorilla type things took a quarter <laughs> of my health away yeah. every yeah. time I hit okay. yeah. and it and it felt like every time I encountered a health pack I had to use it straight away because oh, by right. the time I I found the health pack I was already low on health um, I was I, walking I, around with like 13 health packs at one well, point. Well, you, you, you had a much more pleasant experience <laughs> 
experience than yeah. I did because it was I am I, am, I, I rarely get gamer rage as it were uh, Mario Kart causes Mario Kart, it yeah I was going to say but, but um, <laughs> uh, like there was a specific sequence in this game that uh, it was during the prison sequence where it's two smaller rabid dudes and one big one, bruiser yeah. yeah and it just pushed me to the point where I almost emailed you saying I I can't finish this game. <laughs> That's happened I, a few I, times. I, I, I was honestly that angry yeah. at the game at that point. Well, well done um, for persisting. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just, honestly, I found Silent Hill: Homecoming's combat more appealing because at least <laughs> in that game you could cheese it, you could <laughs> manipulate it to the point where enemies became easy to deal with and and what have you. In, in this, it just, I felt so powerless in every encounter and not in a good way. Hmm. And, and which was, and it was extra frustrating because later on, the game suddenly realizes the best way to handle these kind of enemies, where it suddenly, like, it strips away all your weapons and then it presents you these combat puzzles where the enemies, you have to trap them yeah, in certain, yeah. like, cages and stuff. And if the game had been that all the way through, I think I would have... Uh, I would have appreciated mm. these moment these enemies a lot more but because there are like the elevator sequence where it forces you mm-hmm. to engage in the <laughs> combat it just it uh, it was so frustrating to see a game that has uh some really great ideas in terms of narrative focus so much on what I consider to be the weakest part of the game yeah a big problem with the combat for me too was that it it was almost always unfair like how you were saying you felt powerless like yeah you could only swing so fast or or murphy can only swing so fast but the monsters have like straight up like fighting game combos like they'll come at you <laughs> with like you know a left left right or something and and you can knock only you swing over. like just right they'll knock you over and there's yeah. no like quick jump right and i, I don't, I don't know yeah. man he took down an unarmed naked pedophile in a prison shower <laughs> block. fair <laughs> enough and makes him this makes him ultimate fighting <laughs> champion as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No, um I'm yeah, I'm I'm now starting to think I did make the you know the, the fortunate wise decision of playing on easy, but uh but I was sometimes I I felt my uh experience was as a survival horror game was under, undermined by by an almost complete lack of peril. Mm, yeah, like yeah. the only times I think I died in my entire playthrough were the environmental stuff, the void mazes, yeah. which we'll talk about, um, rather than uh, ever getting in any trouble with enemies at all, because they generally took two or three hits, and then you could either, and then they were either completely incapacitated, and you could just walk off and leave them. Mm. And there's an achievement for doing that with mm. a certain amount. Um, or you could just finish them off with a, some sort of killer move. Um, yeah. I mean, I personally don't think the combat is th- that bad. <laughs> it, it's not great, but I mean, it hasn't been in arguably All any of the Silent Hill games, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, certainly it's something that we've picked up more in the in in the latter half of the series, I would say, than the, than yeah. the former, where you know where it was understandable. I don't think it's as miserable as every nightmare section in Shattered Memories, mm. which I hated. Which Josh loved, remember? Um, for I, I loved, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I detested those nightmare sections be- beyond belief. In I mean, for me, they're the worst parts of any of the Silent Hill games. Um, 
uh, I, you know, is it any worse than Origins? I wouldn't say so. I, you know, it, it's sort of on par with like Homecoming and stuff. I understand it's frustrating. I mean, I played it on hard, and every bit where you're in a, a contained environment and you're literally doing, you know, you <laughs> you're doing sprints one end of a hallway to the other. You know, you, you can only do so many suicides before you, you start to get, you, before the monster catches you. And that is incredibly frustrating. And, and like Josh said, you run into the health and you're like, oh, take that straight away. <laughs> and then you're trying to hit them over the head with a rock before that breaks. You know, it's that combat can be incredibly frustrating. But I, um, yeah, I mean, I would never recommend anyone play it and go, right, now fight everyone because it's fun. I would never say that, but I don't think... It, it's, it never occurred to me that that's why I would stop playing it. I just didn't feel that it was any better or any worse than, than the likes of uh, Homecoming. Um, and, yeah, so as for the the enemies themselves, uh, you know, yes, the the... the, the, the they did not feel very Silent Hill to me. The the only no. ones I actively mm. enjoyed seeing were the uh, the sort of uh, translucent, only only visible in UV mm-hmm. uh, yeah. dolls. Now I imagine those were quite frustrating mm. <laughs> on, on a higher difficulty setting. Yeah. <laughs> There's one sequence where it sends about six of or something up the stairs towards mm. you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I imagine again, if I hadn't been on cakewalk mode, that would have been that would have been a little testing but um yeah my main my main thing was this there that again it was another step away from the sheer eeriness and just bizarre grotesquerie of the earlier games um the thing that even though I, I felt similarly about homecoming the thing that just about and i i actually found that game more frustrating um but i was playing it on normal if there was a difficulty setting um i can't remember now but um was that at least you had that that thing where you could see the damage you were dealing with to them i I found that quite the fact that you could cut red scars into their into their fleshy bits was you know pleasingly visceral um but in this you're back to these kind of quite indistinct nondescript um fairly generic beasties um and you're back generally to smashing them over the head um but yeah as uh, playing it on easy it it was generally a cakewalk and as such um i didn't i didn't hate it um there i've had i've had moments of greater frustration in in most of the other games but that was purely down to difficulty level i think i I think monster design something that that is I would definitely level as a right. major issue with this game. Totally. As, as yeah. I think I've mentioned this on on everyone since Origins, so the, the, the yeah. second half of the season, uh, all the uh, non-team uh, silent ones, oh, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, <laughs> yes, all, all the all the non-Japanese yes. developed ones have had uh, a far. I mean, not even just a little bit, but I mean, far inferior range of enemies. Um, you know, there's a lack of creativity to them, or. Um, originality or story or design it's they're just very you know i'm loath to use the word but generic mm-hmm. you know it, it's you the you get the idea that the ones that are in the you know one through four come from some really twisted clever minds of character design at team silent that, that were really crafted over time and you know uh, drawn over and over and over again until they got just the right look until they were just freakish and, enough yeah and, Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but all within reason. They all, every single character had a reason yeah. for looking like that, yeah, for a reason yeah. for moving like that and sounding like that. And you know, we've referenced it on 
<laughs> I mean, well, even four was comical um, with some of the yeah. sound effects and whatnot that took away from it. But certainly the first three, you know, and then you've obviously got monsters that burp as you knock them downstairs in four and whatnot. But <laughs> in this, it's just like, this is so boring. I mean, yeah. maybe a little bit better than Homecoming. Yeah where I thought they were absolutely disastrous in the design. Mm. But, yeah, I really did not like the the creatures yeah. at all in this. Um, yeah. You know, the boogeyman was okay, but, he, you know, I, well, I've he looked seen like that a before. big order member yeah. from the previous games, didn't he? So it wasn't right, that. Right, I mean, exactly. it did, yeah. you know, gas masks, are, gas masks are always freaky. There's that There's that Doctor Who episode from yeah. a few years back yes. that, you know, everyone seems to recommend as one of their, of the modern series. It's the one with gas mask faces because it makes you go, Oh, that's really yeah. horrible because gas masks carry all <laughs> sorts of connotations in themselves, and they make you look really sure, freaky yeah. and inhuman. So, it, it's a, it's a well trodden path. Um, yeah, and and, and unfortunately, uh, that character is you know it wants you to compare it to Pyramid Head, and it, it's nowhere near <laughs> as iconic as that design. Unfortunately, no. but I'm glad that they you know look, there's uh, I found one interview with uh, with Tom. Hewlett uh, from a few years back uh, when the game came out um, and the the interviewer is uh, seems like the kind of person who wants every Silent Hill to feature uh, maybe, maybe uh, she may have just Pyramid, been you know yeah. doing the uh, playing the voice of the of the of the chorus kind of thing saying you know where's our sexy nurses where's our pyramid head um, but she genuinely sounded disappointed when he said well no pyramid head should only be in Silent Hill two which is famously as we talked about before something that he believed was the case with Homecoming as well and wanted to get rid of Pyramid Head from Homecoming because he was a Silent Hill fan who thought that it was, you know, basically cheap and nasty to bring Pyramid Head into Homecoming. So, but yes, the, you know, I mean, it's... It, I mean, it's, I, I, it, I, 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 I should say I agree with that decision. I, I think that yeah, yeah. this, game's, this game's strength is that it carves an identity of its own. Homecoming's uh, biggest flaw for me is that it had no personality to call its own. It was just riffing off of what came before, whereas yes. this carves out new ground for itself and, yeah. and, and, and has a personality it, it can call its own. I only bring up the, uh, the Pyramid Head comparison simply because... Because the, because this story is riffing quite a bit off of what the the ground that mm. uh, Silent Hill Two laid down, and the boogeyman the boogeyman is clearly the stand-in for that character, the Pyramid Head yeah. character. It, it even the presentation similar it uses the same angles of camera to to represent the you know the the overpowering enemy coming in, you know the the the, the pace at which the walk, you know the way they enter the room. All those are taken yeah. straight from. The design of you know the the way that that Pyramid Head is presented in Silent Hill Two, and I un, you know why wouldn't you replicate that? It's the best in the entire series, and you know he's one of the most iconic characters in all the survival horror. But at the same time, if you've got an inferior version, which you know he is, it it showcases that that difference even more. And it, the, the sort of, it's a bit of a I, lose I mean, lose. I, I would. Really. I mean, I don't. I don't think he's categorically inferior in all ways. I think I was speaking more in terms of his art direction. I think the uh, gas mask type oh, thing is yeah, pretty, you know, it, it's, as Leon said, it, it's been done. Whereas I think his implementation into the storyline, the plot, and the way they use that character to symbolise mm. different people's... Uh, 
you know, feelings towards different characters is really effective. I I found that stuff, yeah. uh, that element of that character, um, really compelling, and it was the thing that. Um, ultimately really sold me on the story that downpour was uh tell uh, was telling and i think in 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 that way in the, in that category the 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 you know the theming and, yes. and the storytelling stuff downpour is really strong i just think the art direction is not as strong as uh, as the uh, as the story it's trying to tell with with those uh with yeah. those art uh, art decisions i like you said, you're always going to draw the comparison yeah, I mean, it, between those. Pyramid Head in 2001 was strikingly original, quite unlike anything most of us had ever seen in terms of design. And the Boogeyman, mm-hmm. 11 years later, uh, is looks, as I say, looks like a giant version of one of the Order members from a previous game. And he uses the gas mark motif, yeah. which has been used by umpteen uh, different different strands of horror, yeah. so it's it's yeah, it was just never going to have the same level of effect. But and that that's exactly that that that's all my issue was yeah. with it. You know, the implementation of that character I thought was up there with some of the best that Silent Hill's done yeah. across the. We'll series, talk about the, uh, the the final showdown uh, in a bit, but uh, now I want to talk about uh, this game's representation of the the other world. Um, so obviously in this game instead of uh, the fog or the mist or the ash or, or whatever previous Silent Hills have had uh, you've essentially got rain in the air um, the other world uh, comes into being generally uh, after some interaction with water of uh, of some description and um, it's different to that of previous games in that rather it being um, an almost literal um, nightmarish rusty mirror of the uh, of the the, the the town of Silent Hill, it rather throws you into um, areas that are much more nightmarish in the sense that they don't subscribe to logic. Uh, so yeah, yeah. they. It's like an abstract art. Yeah, the rooms that twist upside down, corridors that go on for for an eternity. Uh, or you know, you're you're still in the same place. Like you know, you, you're in a, you're in the the place that you're in before, but but it becomes longer, taller, wider, more upside down. You know, this sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was a fine idea. And, and the transitions, uh, actually, I thought the transitions weren't quite as uh, visually. Uh, beguiling as those in homecoming because uh, it doesn't sort of peel away in that in that way that that they've they showed in the films um but it was you know it was it was probably more um sudden and crashing which which was which was all right but my main issue was it that virtually every time you end up in the void uh sorry in the other world you end up chased by this uh void entity which again so this really harks back to the sections that josh liked but carl didn't like in shattered memories um, although it looked different because it was more your traditional uh, rust and fire and pistons and things, um, as opposed to the ice of shattered memories, uh, it turned these into a, uh, a basically a, a running down blind alleys maze game, um, which I hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was really disappointed. Like I, the first time it happens, I was like, okay, this does kind of cool. Hmm. But um, every single time after that, it's like they, it, it introduces you into this. Like I thought, actually, the other world looked really cool in spots, like mm-hmm. the 
Yeah. As you were saying, like the sideways buildings and the, the rooms that flip upside down, all that stuff. I thought all that stuff looked really cool. And then it just kind of runs you out of there. So you get no time to really appreciate the look of it. It just kind of just forces you out. And it's a, it, it, like, I just thought the weirdest thing. So, so I assume this void has a, a, a logic and a, no a, a reason for being. Um, but it's not explained. Uh, for sure no. and it, and it yeah. does this weird thing where when it it's kind of you know coming up behind you it reminded me there were a couple of sequences even again in silent hill 2 that were like this there were a couple of um running down corridors and round corners fast weren't there away mm. from mm. away from things um well yeah in done. three there's like a uh, when you're in maybe that, i'm thinking like, haunted three. you're in that like haunted uh yeah it's like a yeah, ride sure. or something not a ride but a, a building or whatever and then, yeah. yeah it ends yeah. with you being literally chased by a red dot <laughs> yeah um so it has that but it, it as it's nearly catching up to you everything slows down massively mm. um mm-hmm. and he starts wailing in, in his style <laughs> which is effective because it does make you realize that this is actually painful for him he yeah. starts to get sucked out of existence in in some fashion but there are bits in these where you have to turn back on yourself um so so for instance the void is coming down or it feels like this anyway uh the void is coming down one branch of a corridor and it's always just behind you even if you're you're running you know you can get a little bit of distance behind it there's the option to and this made no sense to me whatsoever <laughs> throw objects yep. in front of it so yeah. in the same way as you could knock stuff over well josh couldn't because he couldn't do motion controls but in shatter memories <laughs> you can throw stuff over to the side to to mm-hmm. slow down the the little uh you know goblins in that but in this you'd like throw things over to stop the void coming after you (laughs) which makes no sense at all and then you would so you would end up like turning around a a sharp corner and the void kind of exists outside of it it has a larger spread than than its its confines if you see what Mm -hmm. i mean so you could end up turning a corner and having no option but to kind of clip the void and and i think lose some health or certainly be but certainly be and yeah just uh, and one of the one of the sections later on it's not actually that long when you work out how to do it but it goes through three color-coded segments and there's these guys on the walls that spit the shoot blood at you yeah shoot blood that hurts you at you and there's there's uh you know um guillotines that come down and <laughs> and you have to time going through those otherwise they really hurt and if but you have to stop which means the void's coming after you and i understand it's there to create um you know get your heart rate going and and create a sense of panic but again just for me uh it it was more frustrating than fun and and i like you Sean i actually wanted to spend more time in this uh other world because i think yeah visually it was it was it was familiar, but yes, yeah, but, yeah. but still if effective to some degree. Totally. Yeah. Anyone else? Did, uh, anyone love these sections? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, a testament to how much I hated the regular combat that when these sections came <laughs> up, I went, oh, thank God, it's just a void section. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not great. They're not really that great. But um, I just I want to go back a little bit because mm. you were talking about the narrative context for this thing. Yes. Um, did did none of you catch the piece of dialogue that Murphy says where he where he says uh, you can only I'm paraphrasing here, yeah. but he says um, you can only run away from your past or, or yourself for so long. Okay. Mm. So it was like okay. the so void that- is <laughs> symbolizing the you know the things that he <laughs> yeah. did in his past. It's a I mean, I'm not trying. 
kind of you know justifies it. It's a bit too heavy-handed for my liking. Also, you've already got the wheel man, this constant presence, and the boogeyman. Yeah. So you've already got these constant presences, and and I'm sure there are you know minor differences in their justification, but uh, but yeah, I think the void really it's it smacks to me as a justification for having segments that break up the standard minute to minute yeah. gameplay and and put something in there that was you know presumably for for everybody like Carl that didn't like these bits in Shattered Memories there was somebody like Josh who they heard back from who said oh those bits were really cool so they've put something that's like them in you know they've kind of shoehorned these bits in the game yeah. um but yeah for me it's a kind of waste of the other world really on the puzzles then it's a silent hill game it has puzzles uh, there are no washing machines in this game as i recall but uh, there are there are safes and uh, and um, ticket machines and, and various other, uh, you know, find object, interact with object um, type puzzles. Now, as I say, I played, I played the puzzles on normal and um, there aren't too many that really stick out as being, you know, oh, that was a fascinating puzzle. Um, but they were, yeah, I generally found them, you know, just the right level of uh, obstacle, nothing that stopped me for too long. Um and you know there's the usual issues of of a complete lack of logic within the world but maybe in this case because of the whole you know some of these puzzles are kind of spread around the the open world section of the game um and it, it felt like maybe there was slightly more um kind of rationale but actually a lot of it was to do with uh sort of ghostly presences and things like this uh there were points when um I was I've it felt a bit Luigi's Mansion-ish and, and, I, and I say that in a good way because Luigi's Mansion as, as we discussed on that podcast is a game that actually unsettles me somewhat um, <laughs> more than many survival horror games uh, but yeah I don't know I, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking oh yeah uh, must talk about this puzzle or that puzzle um, but as I say having seen some of the solutions written down and, and on video on the hard level I think maybe there's, there's a bit more to them than, than I experienced uh, what about the rest of you? I mean, I found them all really pleasant to solve. They, yeah. they 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 weren't challenging at all. But I thought, you know, there were some of them that were a bit clever. Like, I really liked the theatre one, where you had to... Oh, um, yeah, actually, yes, that, that was a stand-up one, I agree, yeah. Yeah, where you had to, uh, you know, set up the stage uh, in a particular sequence uh, so that then eventually the stage yeah. would come to life. Yeah, I, I that thought really that cool. was pretty clever. It's pretty um, spelled out for you, the solution, oh yeah, on normal anyway, but, yeah, but, it, the, it, the, but the result is satisfying. Yeah, it, it's, it's not... For this, I think with this game, they aimed for kind of giving you a satisfying reward for the puzzles more than making the puzzles themselves pretty challenging. Like, as you say, that theatre one, it's it's pretty simple... But like just going through the motions is really satisfying and and pleasing, and then the end result is actually quite visually spectacular. Um, yeah. I, I I think and throughout like towards the end of the game they uh, they start moving towards uh, combat puzzles, um, mm-hmm. which is the one instance in this game where I actually enjoyed the combat. Where yeah, you were trapping these big brutes in cages by using spotlights and stuff like that, or grouping them all up into a little a, you know a fenced off area and then locking them in so you could pass I, I really enjoyed all of that stuff because it 
uh, it maintained the threat of these enemies. They're still deadly, so they can kill you if they catch up to you. But you, the way you dealt with them was more satisfying and made you feel clever as a player rather than the limp noodle that you usually felt like when you were engaging these enemies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I think it handles puzzles pretty well. They're not hard, but they're 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 pleasant throughout. Yeah, I think in terms of the puzzles, I actually enjoyed them because they felt logical, which is something that I wouldn't have said about some of the other puzzles in previous Silent Hill games. Um, so without that lack of frustration and just the right amount of challenge, yeah, I, I didn't have a sing- single problem with them. Um, I think maybe the one getting the um, ride going would have been the only. That would have been the only issue. Given how straightforward we we all found them on normal shots, <laughs> were, they, were, they, were they just press A on object? On, no, on, no, there were still. It was uh, like the uh, puzzle Carl just mentioned about getting the train going. Uh, even that is just like that. You get like a what is that? Like a poem or something out of someone's pocket. And you have mm-hmm. to kind of decipher the colors from that. Yeah. Uh, but even that, it's so it's, I'm assuming the poem's just longer in a in a harder uh, setting. But stuff like that was actually uh, pretty fun to to figure out, and um, I would assume it's just the same way for the rest of them. But uh, but I I enjoyed the puzzles mostly because a lot of them felt like they had stories behind them if that makes any sense for like yeah. the uh, for yeah. like the side quests and stuff. It wasn't just like a puzzle just to open a door. It was like you know, you'd go into this house and you'd find something that was, you know, what's that one, like the ashes or something. So you have to go and dump them off in this, um, in their special place or something, but it doesn't tell you exactly where the special place is. So the puzzle yeah. there is just trying to figure out where to go and stuff like that. I thought was actually pretty clever. Yeah. So onto those side quests and the, the, I mean, this is new, this is new to the series, uh, the first and last time possibly, um, yeah, open world was you know becoming kind of a bigger and bigger deal as 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 uh, as time went on. This is 2012, so three years ago. Um, and yeah, here's a Silent Hill where there are whole sections of it that you can either choose to engage with or not. You can go down the critical path and ignore. There's no particular penalty. Um, I mean, you might miss some health kits. Um, I ended up not doing many of the side quests. I did just a, a small handful just to experience them, but this was mainly because of, uh, uh, you know, concern about actually getting the game finished before the deadline. There is a point, I think, later on where you can, before kind of finishing the game off, you can kind of wrap things up in this area, possibly. There's a there's you can, there's you can a network of um, sewer shortcuts you can you can get around, around with and... Um, you know some of the objects that you need for these side quests like there's one where you're on uh, it's i think it's called art collector where you have to collect paintings these paintings there's there's a fair number of them like what seven eight nine something like that and you have to collect them from throughout the game uh and then there's a point later on where you can go back and actually arrange them on this table and 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 figure them out and there's an achievement for that but mainly i mean there's a lot of kind of collectibles in this game not in the banjo kazooie sense but in the sense of you know, pieces of paper and objects that tell kind of more stories. They don't tell your story, but they tell yet further stories about Silent Hill. Not with the Order, not with Samael, the the demon. I mean, there are references to this and that dotted about. There's a there's a painting that looks like a lesser and 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 you know throwbacks. But actually, this 
all these stories are kind of individual. This is kind of what I meant when I was saying Luigi's Mansion, actually. The, that bit where you go around and piece together the history of the ghosts in Luigi's Mansion. It's kind of felt a bit like that to me. Hmm. Yeah, one of the coolest things about the game for me is the, this whole open world side quest thing because um, I know what what they were trying to do a lot with with most of this just to do something totally different from the, the previous games and open world and side quests. While compared to other open world and side quest games, it doesn't you know hold up that well for like you know Red Dead Redemption or something like that or mm. The Witcher or whatever, but. Um, to kind of put Silent Hill into this context, I thought was actually kind of fun. And um, one of the more yeah. uh, fascinating parts about this entry to me. Yeah, and ambitious too. Yeah, you totally. Know, trying something, it may explain the you know the lack of variety in sure. enemy design and stuff like that yeah. to a point because a lot of their efforts were going in building this... Um, building this area of town it's not the whole of silent hill i mean that would be that would be something else if they'd kind of uh, you know rebuilt the entire of of the the, the town as depicted in all the games and gave you kind of you know all those closed doors that you've never been into that would have been an extraordinary experience possibly um but yeah with a huge development time and budget no doubt uh, so it, yeah, it also takes place in the southeastern region, which we've never right. we've never been there before in the Silent yeah. Hill games. But it, it's it's quite interesting that it actually lets you go around the town, and it's something that I mentioned early on in our shows, um, specifically on the on when we covered the very first Silent Hill. That I I found a certain buzz exploring the, the actual town, um, and, and seeing stuff because I always thought that Silent Hill was quite a well realized place. It was a, it was like a believable town. Um, with you know, an yeah, even though it makes story. no sense, that's absolutely well, yeah. that's yeah. it. I mean, in terms of its actual design, it, it it's you know relatively realistic, and it was always enjoyable, you know, walking around it. And frame rate issues and sound issues aside, from when you're actually playing them, yes, I adored navigating the town of Silent Hill. Okay, in, so in, this in is downport. the like I absolutely loved it that was this is the point because you've you've been saying to 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 us on cana rinse for some years probably since the game came out that there were there were things about downpour that you felt you know were marked it marked it apart from other other games in the series and and made it a a valid entry that was worthwhile us covering and i'd never really i'd like josh i went into this game not even really being aware of this Uh, and i assume this is what you were referring to all along then yeah it's it's the sort of the more open world state with you know the little side quests and i'll flat out say i thought the side quests surpassed the main story right you know it's obviously it's a different genre but something like fallout 3 did the same thing its side quests were better than its main quest line and i I felt very much the same about this and i quite enjoyed the main quest line you know josh josh has already mentioned it a couple of times um on on how it develops the story Uh, that was good but the the little sort of nuggets, the little wrapped up stories themselves that were the side quests, some of them I found absolutely wonderful. You know, there was obviously the art collector one that you referenced, but then there's um, one where you're going through the house and the, and the pictures are coming out and, and off the walls, and that was really unsettling. And, you know, it all takes place in this small area. So, you know, yeah. the, the, the stories, some of them can be, you know, five to ten minutes, other ones, you know, could be 20, 20 odd minutes long, which they're great little stories. You know, they're, they're like little. TV episodes that you would get, you know, it's all it's all wrapped up in that time, hmm. um, and just being able to sort of break the pace um, and, and mon- maybe monotony of a standard the, the main quest line that, that that we have, I found really refreshing. And then, of course, it was seeing 
a different side of Silent Hill. And, and, and little reference points, little uh, touches like seeing Travis's truck on one of the streets or, you know, suddenly you, you, you enter, you know, an apartment that looks like the room, which, you know, anyone who knows the Silent Hill law knows it can't be the room because the room wasn't in Silent Hill. In a Hill. different town. Yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, you get there and you're oh, oh, you know, I've seen this. this you know, it's those, it's it's a good those way little of things. getting that, crowbarring that fan service in there without it being a, a yes. jarring, you know, uh, like obvious, you know, pyramid head coming on and waving like he does in, in Homecoming, you know, effectively. <laughs> so yeah. this this stuff's there if you want it, if you've got time for it, if you want to spend uh the extra time and um, that's it exactly it never felt like i was having it thrown you know absolutely just shoved in my face uh look what we've done see it you know it was if you want to go and explore you will see this stuff maybe they under advertised it in in i mean I, i don't remember how much game this uh how much pr this game had but you know, I've I've watched that th- this one video that I found on YouTube, which was out around the time. There doesn't appear to be a lot of PR done for the game. Um, it's mentioned the open world is mentioned in this interview, but it's not really. You know, that you would have thought they would have really gone to town trying to sell this stuff to the fans. I mean, the only thing I remember pre-launch about this was the absolute vitriol at Akira Yamaoka not doing the score. Well, of course, yeah, and that yeah. I mean that was everywhere. You know, you heard about damp. Oh, I'm not interested. Well, it's it's going to be rubbish. It's not going to mm. it's not going to be Silent Hill. It won't sound like Silent Hill. And you know, well, it, it is, it is different. <laughs> they had a point. It was different. But you yeah. know, you take you take the game for what it is and what they actually tried in terms of design. I I think you know if if I had to describe Downport in one word, it would be misunderstood. It's funny you should say that. That's it's exactly what uh, the associate uh, senior associate producer said about it so uh yeah yeah uh josh i guess uh like me you probably didn't spend too much time with i i i unfortunately yeah i i kind of mainline the game i did complete a couple of them um i i completed the uh calling back the police cars one (laughs) just simply because i wanted Uh, to get rid of the police cars yeah um and uh also one that really uh, stuck out for me was the one where you're exploring an apartment building Mm -hmm. and one of them uh one of the uh people in the apartment was uh stealing from everyone else yes yes so uh the the side quest was about kind of giving back these items to all these people in this apartment and i thought you know like like um like we've already mentioned a lot of these side quests are rooted in narrative and i and i felt that was a really effective way of telling little stories about Mm -hmm. all these people uh using using the mechanics of the game it was very simple though it didn't require a lot of you But just having that little insight into other people's lives was really uh, effective. Yeah, they sort of dabbled with this. We talked about it in the Shattered Memories, but it didn't make much sense there because of... uh, We won't spoil Shattered Memories, but it didn't make much sense there. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Uh, Whereas in this game, I felt it did make... There was slightly more logic to this... um, to this going around and looking into yeah. other people's lives. Although, like many a side quest in many a video game, when you actually question the protagonist's motivation, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it, it can quickly fall apart. You know, you've got... <laughs> I'm thinking about even going back to when I was younger and didn't understand the mechanics of games so well. Um, thinking about uh, Comet hanging in the sky in Final Fantasy VII and, you know, going off to breed chocobos. And you're thinking, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> the, the Comet's in the sky. But you can take as long as you want. It's fine. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, on that audio, well, uh, first talk about the general um, soundscape, um, which I assume that Nathan McCree is slightly more responsible for sound effects and, and general sounds. I think for me, um, a lot of the actual audio, again, playing the 360 version in 5.1, um, there, was some, there was some pretty decent um, stuff, environmental effects, you know, like places falling apart, metal bridges creaking. It was all very bold and loud and it sounded um convincing you know it was it was like a decent yeah. sound mix but onto the soundtrack um now yes uh i'm sure you're right car i don't particularly remember it myself but i can only imagine the uh, yeah. the outcry <laughs> at akira yamoka not being involved um you know and we've all we've all agreed that we loved uh, a lot of his work on the previous games but i think it's also fair to say that if there was a consensus between us um we felt like as the series wore on and as he was less involved in actually making the games yeah. and around the Japanese team making the games because they were made in, in the West or in this case in, in Czechoslovakia, um, his work became less inspired. It felt more like it was a, a contractual obligation than it was a, a passion project. Um, and as such, I, I quite welcomed the change. Uh, and I think some of Daniel Lick's incidental music uh, is cool uh, it's 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 different it's very much its own thing and it doesn't sound like a silent hill game but it but it but it at least it feels to me like it fits the project better than yeah. perhaps some of yamaoka's stuff did in the last couple of games i'm not i'm not going to lie i always say that i like to go into stuff open-minded and I'm, we all do you know there's, there's not a person around that'll say well i like going into games with my mind already made up because it's not true but sometimes it does affect us you know certain things do affect us and it's not always possible and i went into this thinking well the sound the, the music's going to stand out because it's it's not silent hill and i was i wouldn't say i was gradually won over hmm. but i was i didn't find it offensive in any way it was suitable and going back over the games now, uh, I described it in, I think it was Silent Hill Origins, that I described that it felt like Yamaoka had dialed it in. Um, and, you know, when you go back and you look at Homecoming and uh, and and whatnot, you think, that music is, it, it, it was good. It had moments of maybe being even great, but not consistently, not like the first three. You know, I mean, obviously, how often have we said throughout this whole series, not like the first three, but, you know, certainly in the case of the music, that's where it was truly stellar. And after playing Downpour, I'm sort of with Leon. I think it was kind of nice to get a change. And I'm a huge Yamaoka fan, and I, and I say that. I would probably agree with you guys that his his score is actually pretty decent, but it gives you the worst first impression of any Silent Hill game because there's a name you left off the credits in the beginning with Jonathan <laughs> yeah. Davis. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly exactly what I was going to say. That's Corn. Yeah, the new metal. Yeah, yeah. It's uh. it, it's like I didn't know it was Corn um, when it first uh, started playing. I thought, what's this sub nine inch nails rubbish? <laughs> yeah. And it was sub nine inch nails rubbish. It was Corn. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, awful. Terrible just, choice. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a song. It's completely uh, a matter of sure, subjective of opinion. Yeah. There are plenty of corn fans out there, but boy, oh boy, what a stinker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah and after uh, after Laura's theme, yeah, exactly. like, for me, each song each song that starts each game has been a little more disappointing mm-hmm. than the last. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but this one, you know, plummets off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least, that like the Shattered Memories one was still um in the uh you know 
in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't dislike Corn. You know, I mean, I've, I've I've had a couple of their albums. I like some of their older music, but that is not how I wanted this game. to start. <laughs> because, stage an intervention <laughs> <laughs> because you know when, when you know that Yamaoka is not involved, and then you hit with that, you yeah. think, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lyrics are just yeah, it's it's the shameful, worst. embarrassing. Uh, I mean, you know, perhaps the lyrics to some of the other, you know, even the like the Silent Hill Three song were were a little bit kind of, but um, yeah. And again, you know, I'm sure some people like it, but really, it, it's I, I would have much rather they'd let Daniel Lick not only do the score, but also. You know, he might not be a songwriter in the same way, but um, he could have come up with a main yeah, theme, yeah. you know, something really well, he did atmospheric. A cracking one, he did a cracking one Dexter, for Dexter. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, everyone sort yeah. of liked that one. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Um, I don't know it, but, um, but yeah, I know I know of, of its fans. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just a theme tune. Yeah. Not, don't license a terrible <laughs> sub-new. Yeah, I think that's it. That's Silent Hill's <laughs> always gone on themes, hasn't it? Yeah. And then you, suddenly you get a song and it's a bit... Was that, it written for the game or is it licensed? It's called Silent Hill, I, I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, one of our one of our contributors uh, talks on that, so we'll, we'll come back to that briefly. Um, now, the, probably the biggest set piece in the game, in a way, is is the Wheelman boss. So this is, uh, I suppose, this is Murphy confronting his uh, guilt, and because uh, even though he, it wasn't him in the end who. Who put uh, Coleridge in a uh, in a cat? Well, yeah, he could kind of just yeah. The, obviously, Sewell just put him into a into a vegetative state um, from, and he, he never recovered. Um, but Murphy has uh, has uh, issues about this, um, and so it's a it's a giant room boss um and uh i actually i think the design of the wheelman is my favorite kind of monster design in the game um even when he's just you know regular wheelchair size um it's just really it reminds me of um some of the designs out of the uh pink floyd the wall kind of creepy <laughs> a creepy face kind of uh fleshy nastiness going on um but this boss set piece you have to uh it reminded me a little bit of um arkham asylum scarecrow as well you've got uh i don't know why in, in kind of reverse but you've got you've got bits where you have to climb up towers and shine a light at him and then run down and pull out these life support machine pipes and um it was a little bit i got a little bit frustrated and confused at point it wasn't entirely clear i didn't think what i was supposed to be doing but actually when you do work it out it's uh it was fairly straightforward i thought it wasn't the worst boss fight i've ever had far from it in certainly amongst the silent hill games oh, yeah. um <laughs> it wasn't you know it wasn't too challenging um yeah it, it, it was almost a kind of welcomed the change of pace to how you fought the boss you know when you know we've mentioned how frustrating it can be fighting some of the enemies in this game having a little run around and disconnecting some pipes yeah it was it was all right <laughs> yeah not to be confused with the wheel man out of the game the wheel man, wheel man. No, I mean, not, <laughs> yeah, no one takes down vin diesel yeah uh and then there's a one final um, confrontation where uh, you become the bogeyman uh, and you inhabit the suit. You become large uh, and you're actually chasing down Anne. Now, there are ways of resolving this, uh, three ways of resolving this. 
the first way is to uh, she she unleashes monsters at you, which um, didn't make that much sense to me. Uh, but you you are now the lumbering but extremely powerful uh, hammer wielding uh, gas masked fellow. Uh, so the the first way I let it play out is that eventually she takes you down. If you don't if you don't hit her, she uh, she will whittle down your health and kill you and that gives you one of the endings um which in a way uh yeah if if you felt that um, murphy was complicit um in some ways you could see it as a as a sort of just a just ending but actually the cutscene that you get um twists things around so that she is now the prisoner and murphy is the prison guard uh, so it doesn't play out too well for uh, for her, really. Um, but then if you do manage to hit her, uh, and this was one of the problems I had with this uh, boss fight, such as it is, is that the, the first time I attempted uh, to hit her, she just uh, ran into a corner somewhere. Um, and it was uh, one hit, and then you get the choice to whether to uh, kill or spare her. But the second time I did it, to go for the other, to have a look at the other ending... There was no way I could hit her. She was always too far away and she was always too fast. And it took me doing it a third time where she glitched up against some boxes <laughs> to actually finish her. So that was sort of stupid. But Did um, you did you not discover the long range attack that the uh uh that you have? When you say long range, do you just I mean the like it, the, Yeah, yeah. Where it where it makes the the you know makes a giant like oh uh, like he earthquake. does to you oh okay yeah. uh, no no I didn't <laughs> that, that. oh the if you if you press triangle yeah he he sends a a shock wave and you can easily take her out using that oh. because it goes across the entire screen well I'm well aren't I silly but uh, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't actually tell you that does it. No, no, it doesn't. Okay, yeah. I, I feel half stupid. Um, so that, so that was my bad sort of. Um, and obviously, yeah, that opens up. Depending on whether you kill her or spare her, uh, opens up two more of the endings. But but the endings are divided up into five, I think it is, because there's also um, a kind of moral arbiter score that's been built up throughout the game, depending on uh, decisions you've made and also how many enemies you've killed. Um, so yeah, I saw. I I, I initially chose to see. Um, the, the, the a certain ending deliberately, and then had a look at a couple of the others. But um, can uh, can you guys remember, Josh? You played it recently. Do you remember what ending you got, and where you, did you feel satisfied with it? I actually discovered that if you load the game, it just starts yes, you, you can at do this that. point yes. again. So I actually ended up getting free endings because uh, uh, I you, you know I thought well might as well just see how many endings I can get. So yeah. the first one was the um, the one where she kills you and then she takes your place in the prison uh, just because I couldn't figure out how to kill her. And actually, to be honest, uh, I kind of didn't want to kill her, so I was yeah, trying to exactly. see if there was yeah. a way to do it without killing her. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I got the, um, uh, the her killing me first, but then I wanted to go for some something more satisfying that actually, you know, felt like a proper ending. Mm. So I did try and attack her properly, and I spared her first because I, you know, didn't want to kill her. Um, and yeah, I got that. That for me is the canon ending. For me, is the ending where. Uh, you go back into the real world and she forgives you for what you did because she realises that you didn't really kill her her father. Yes. Um, 
But the other ending, I, I think in some ways is more fascinating. Uh, the third ending I got, where actually you are very much complicit, uh, complicit in her father's mm. death. Mm. You are, you're the one who kills him. Uh, and, um, yeah, the, the way that ends, uh, I, I felt actually fit, uh, fitted the, um, the, the story that the game was trying to tell a bit more, uh, a, a bit better just because it like the story was all about how revenge is this contagious thing and you if you uh engage in it you're passing it on to the next person and the next person and while it's significantly more bleak that ending was uh i think more consistent with what, what the rest of the game was doing uh narratively mm. Uh, there is a sixth ending. Now that this game it has no comedy UFO ending, boo! But well, <laughs> uh, it does have a sixth ending, which is based yeah. on you have to uh, you have to play through the game twice. Um, and as I understand it, because uh, none of us have done this, uh, on your second playthrough there is a quest that's avail- not available in the first playthrough, mm-hmm. um, which is called digging up the past, which involves uh, picking up shovels which are dotted around the game. You can generally, in the first playthrough, use them as weapons, but in the second playthrough there are digging areas, digging spots. Uh, in an Animal Crossing style, you can uh, <laughs> you can find things buried beneath the ground, and if you find them all, um, you can get this extra ending. Uh, which I haven't seen actually. Um, oh, so I've watched the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He um, it you he it goes all the way to the end of the game, and he and he kills Anne, and then he um, it cuts to him digging his way out of prison with a spoon. <clears throat> okay. Very um, Shawshank Redemptiony. Yeah. And um, he uh, ends up in this room, and it's all quiet in there, and then the lights come on. And everyone yells, surprise! And it's, like, everyone from the game, and there's some nurses there, and there's a cake on a table in front of him. And he's like, oh, you guys, you shouldn't have. And then uh, Pyramid Head walks up and uses his big knife to cut the cake. I've seen a screenshot, yes, (laughs) actually. It's very silly. Yeah, Yeah, so a bit of fan service there. Nods to Pyramid Head and the lack of hospital level, the first Silent Hill game without without hospital in it. Uh, Yeah. We must hear now from some of our community contributors, uh, a couple of emails, uh, deliciously contrasting uh, experiences here. So let's start with uh, Jake Laverde, or Laverde, I still don't know, I'm sorry Jake. From the earliest trailers, I found it hard to summon up any excitement for this entry. It was only my undying loyalty to the franchise that made me pick up a copy and play it through. For me, hands down, and without hyperbole, this is the creative low point of Silent Hill. Artistically, it doesn't come close to the creature design of the previous titles. There's no thematic resonance to the story and serve as an example of the lack of creative vision that runs through this title. The earlier game's creature designs were human-esque bags of flesh that on appearance seemed ambivalent. The Screamers are, like their name suggests, shrieking witch-like figures with nails in their hands. The Boogeyman is their attempt at a pyramid head figure which never receives any kind of explanation for its appearance. Ito's cover-up for the Japanese release is head and shoulders above anything else seen in this game. If Francis Bacon was the inspiration behind Masahiro Ito's designs, then Downpour's main inspiration was a heavy metal fan with a biro. The faded look of the town in the Team Silent game suggests a place frozen in time. In Downpour, the town is more like a haunted house fairground ride. The combat is the most frustrating in the series. Murphy loses a gun several times for no real reason. His attacks are slow and his weapons are fragile while creatures can combo you to their heart's content. 
The plot of the game is convoluted and asks too much suspension of disbelief, even for a game based around a haunted town. Murphy goes to the same prison as the man he believes killed his son, and Anne has him transferred for no reason other than to move the characters towards Silent Hill. The characters are two-dimensional cardboard cutouts. Murphy Pendleton, depending on the outcome, is supposed to be a sympathetic everyman, yet has a badass scar. Anne's obsession with revenge for her dad's condition rings hollow because we never see the consequences of his beating. Throughout the game, we hear clips of Anne's dad telling Murphy how he's a good man at heart, and then the final boss is the spirit of Anne's dad. It's a story that contradicts itself at every opportunity. Tom Waltz, the writer of Downpour, falls back on every painful dialogue cliché and borderline offensive racial stereotypes. Howard the Mailman, originally seen in a comic written by Waltz, is an exposition-spouting presence always hinting at Silent Hill's strangeness, yet this game never really grasps it. The other world has become a series of chase sequences that are visually impressive but feel over the top and don't fit in with the series' trademark quiet horror. And the endings feel tacked on and formulaic, offering very little in terms of either payoff or a satisfying conclusion. Lastly, the soundtrack is just terrible. Even with the post-team silent games, Yamaoka managed to compose a varied and unsettling score with vocal track lyrics that tied to the theme of the games. Daniel Lick's compositions don't inspire any emotion except utter indifference. Where Yamaoka's soundtracks recognise the importance of space and quiet alongside the banging and clanging, Lick's offerings are too muddied and lack a simple melody. As a result, it never sticks in the mind. You can hum a lot of Yamaoka's tracks, not so with this. The worst crime this game commits is the god-awful title track by Korn, a dated new metal dirge from a band who passed their creative peak nearly two decades ago, in many ways a sign of how far Silent Hill has fallen. Downpour feels like a failed attempt at a more mainstream reboot of the franchise aimed at the same audience as AAA shooters. There was a clear intent to build Howard as another mystery linked with Silent Hill, the same way as Silent Hill 1 and 3 did with Alessa, as he pops up in the execrable Book of Memories as well. But downpour, and by extension Wolf's mistakes vagueness for mystery. We never find out Howard's link connection to Silent Hill, and more importantly, we never really care. The arrogance of Vatra calling themselves Team Silence during development while missing the point of everything that made Silent Hill unique is the final insult. It says volumes that the triple whammy of Downpour, Book of Memories and the movie Revelation 3D failed to reignite the franchise the way PT has done since. Downpour was marketed to fans as a return to the series' roots but was a cynical attempt by Konami at grabbing a wider audience. In the end, it satisfied neither. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, <damn>. sorry, Tom. <laughs> he represents those people, uh, you know, but absolutely, uh, clearly well-considered opinions and uh, ones that he believes in. Uh, <clears throat> another email, podcast at com is the address. Global Mega Dude, or Dan, says Silent Hill Downpour fails when it comes to the atmosphere, the environments, the sound and the structure. The so-called other world sections totally fail to evoke the same feelings of dread and oppression that even Homecoming achieved at points. They end up being vast open arenas of strange, almost dreamlike architecture instead of the cramped claustrophobic nightmare that we're used to. The enemies are pretty poorly designed too, highlighting for me the gulf in class between Japanese character monster design and what the West thinks people find scary and unsettling. I didn't think the soundtrack was suitable during my time with it, but I'm quite willing to put this down to my absolute fanboyism for Yamaoka's previous work. In fact, I think Daniel Licht has done some really good work on the composition, and I have bought the soundtrack to go with the rest of the collection. 
I just don't think it fits in. This leads me on to my next, more positive point. I got 1000 gamer score on the 360, and I remember quite enjoying it at the time. That story was interesting, although poorly told. The combat was acceptable, although very repetitive and simplistic, and the graphics were pretty good, although that glitchy frame rate is inexcusable. There was promise here, not for Silent Hill, but for another game, and it's a shame that Vatra got shut down, but Konami are utter bastards, as we all know. All in all, then, a decent, interesting game that fails on every level to be a Silent Hill game. That atmosphere and feeling I had when playing through the first four is sadly nowhere to be seen. I'm beginning to think it never will be. I'm beginning to think you're right. Actually, I say I'm beginning. I've thought that since... Origins. Uh, about ten years ago. <laughs> well, possibly before. Yeah. Uh, one more from the reviewist at the forum, com slash forum. And this is the contrast and the balance. He says, like many people who, having first become enamoured with the Team Silent games and then stuck through the successive sequels in the hope of a return to glory, I had my reservations about Downpour. Unlike many of those people, I suspect, I actually found my day one purchase a strangely compelling return to form. Like any game series, Silent Hill has fans who essentially are looking for a repeat of that same emotional experience they had playing early series entries. However, as the unoriginal Origins and the slick but empty Homecoming both show, trying to repeat the Team Silent formula straight just wasn't going to cut it. Which is why I feel that the direction Downpour takes with the series actually breathes life into it again. It's not hard to see where the style and the ideas come from. Downpour was developed from 2009 to 2012. It's a game born in the time of releases like GTA 4 and Just Cause 2, a period where every game felt incomplete without a sandbox centre filled with various side quests and optional time-sinking extras. In that sense, it's not surprising that Vatra took the town itself and turned the previously largely empty streets into paths to smaller puzzles or story snippets. My personal favourite being the unexpected return to the subtitular Room from Silent Hill 4. The story was also one that improved on some previous entries, Murphy Pendleton's quest for redemption for the deaths he's directly and indirectly caused, as well as his own self-imposed guilt, makes for quite an interesting story. Murphy himself is a gruff and initially unlikable protagonist, but he genuinely grows on the player. This was a surprise even to me, especially after the brutal and shocking opening murder in the prison shower room. But as the story progresses and you begin to understand the method and the meaning behind his actions, they begin to make some sense, and if you get the good ending, they wrap up in a neat and satisfying way. The game is also one of the first to really open up the world of Silent Hill as a place which exists unto itself. The introduction of JP, the tour guide, with his cryptic comments about Murphy being a first-time visitor and the repeated appearance of Howard the Postman both point towards a larger world of the purgatorial penance and the crossovers of other visitors. The idea that Anne the prison's guard... The idea that Anne the Prison Guard's story is concurrently occurring while we play as Murphy furthers this concept uh, in games, including the tantalising concept that maybe some of the creatures we've encountered aren't actually manifestations. As Murphy himself uh, appears as the bogeyman to Anne, this hints at the idea and maybe that maybe every creature in Silent Hill is in fact someone else, trapped in their own nightmare. It's also gorgeous to look at, with some wonderful locations and the best damp clothes effect I'd ever seen in a game up until then. The open-world nature of the game also adds to that sense of it being less claustrophobic, all of which, while far more interesting to me, may be seen by some as a strike against it by diluting the focus and horror. Which leads me to the problems. Yes, there are some, and not even just the frustrating, occasional plummeting frame rate. 
Half of the endings don't entirely add up. They just don't seem to fit the shown narrative. The series' staple of combat issues also returns again, but in this instance it's more that the fights felt like boring and repetitive trudges, blocking until the inevitable and easily spottable window for attack. But overall, Downpour was the new yardstick by which I'd planned to measure all future entries, a game that felt its own animal while retaining enough of the spirit of the originals. If it is the final Silent Hill game, I can at least be glad that the series ended with something of a return to form. It never ceases to amaze me how varied people's opinions can be from on everything. Absolutely. I mean, even in terms of the graphics, the first one was like, eh, it wasn't didn't look very good. And the second one was, yeah, oh, it looked decent. The third one, it looked gorgeous. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> so good That's to read. The beauty. That's what we're here for. Share all that. Uh, now, some very quick three-word reviews. Daniel Gomez says, terrible monster designs. Hands in the jam, channeling his inner Matty Pellow. Wet, wet, wet. Matthew Lucas, I don't understand this, he says, broke my plank. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone? Nope. Okay. I don't know. Katatan Aknali says, wheelchair accessible prison? Fair point. Al Duke says, do not compare. Devin York, passable. But underwhelming. And as previously discussed, even, senior associate producer Tom Hewlett says, not perfect, misunderstood. Uh, So we've run quite long. It's been, you know, wrapping up this series and doing the whole series has been quite something. Um, But yes, just, uh, just, yeah, quickly wrap up how you feel about the downpour experience uh we've covered everything else so just downpour please josh would you recommend people play it um i was pleasantly surprised by the narrative in uh, silent hill downpour i think thematically it's really consistent and every narrative element of this game is very cohesive and is the closest uh, the series has come to recapturing what was so great about silent hill 2 that said i find the combat horrendous i i think it really holds back the game and every moment where i was engaged in melee combat or range combat was frustrating and messy I found the puzzles pleasant and I found some of the decisions in terms of the other world really clever and interesting. Uh, Overall I think it is worth playing just to see some of the ideas that are in this game but it is flawed It's a game that I never would have played much less actually spent money on had it not been for uh carl's previously mentioned uh, insistence that when we cover silent hill we cover the whole gamut um and as with homecoming i think honestly if i'd never played downpour i wouldn't be my my, my pretty broad and extensive gaming experience wouldn't be that much the worse for it but also like homecoming um it was it was not uh, the awful experience uh, overall that I expected it to be. I found myself um, my my fir- the first impressions, as Sean said, were awful because of that corn song. But actually, there's some there's some good use of sound in the game. Some interesting use we didn't mention of licensed tracks like Matt Monroe singing "Born Free" on the radio station, mm, a few others like yeah. that. Um, even though the story has has its woolly points and and doesn't always ring true or consistent overall i found myself intrigued i wanted to know what happened at the end i wanted to find out what the endings were for murphy's character um and although i didn't get as much uh time in the open world as i would have liked um i do feel that that 
element of the game actually added something and i like the way it was uh it was so so very optional you could kind of play the game as a traditional silent hill survival horror or you could um delve into this other stuff uh i recommend playing it on easy based on on in terms of combat and possibly hard puzzles <laughs> to get the most out of this experience um and yeah i'd say for also for a three-year-old last gen now game um in places it looks really quite nice um, so yeah, not nowhere near a classic for me. Certainly not a disaster. Um, I'd say, as is so often the case, I find my my opinion just about tallies with the average review score on GameRankings dot com. Sixty six point six something percent is about right. Uh, Sean. <laughs> Um, I feel like I've been a little more negative on this podcast uh, regarding Silent Hill Downpour than I thought I was. Um, I think for the execution, they don't really nail it in in most areas uh, for me. Uh, in terms of you know visuals, combat, mostly just like gameplay stuff. Um, but the story and the overall design ethos of Silent Hill Downpour uh, is something that I really uh, respect. Actually, I, I I love that they really tried something different, even. As awful as that corn song is, that's actually a, a good first indicator of how different things are <laughs> going to be this time around. Um, and it's the rest of the game isn't as bad as that song, but um, yeah, <laughs> I I I do recommend people give Downpour a shot. It's definitely the closest in terms of uh, narrative design to uh, Silent Hill Two, which is mostly everyone's favorite. So um, I, I think that's a admirable effort um it's a weird one to kind of end the series on uh because it is kind of middling um but you know hopefully someday we'll get silent hill back again maybe i'm sure we will in some i think we, I, probably I think, not I, well we'll yeah forget <laughs> it we haven't got time it's yeah, it's yeah. we could have a conversational <laughs> yeah, 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 podcast yeah. about it or something carl as quick as you can please let's not set any new records for pithy oh okay <laughs> um yeah, it's easy to get hung up on certain elements of downpour and look on it in a negative light. Uh, you know, the combat, I think, comes from a studio who were developing first time, haven't got a good combat system, and they've had the mentality, well, it's never been that good, so, you know, why bother improving it? And, uh, you know, that's definitely held it back somewhat. The frame rate was pretty much inexcusable. It, it Some of the, the frame rate drops, particularly on the PS3, are nothing short of shambolic, but when you look outside of those, it tells the best story since the early Silent Hill games. Um, it has an environment which is, for me, maybe the most fun I've had navigating, um, which you know is bold because I absolutely adored it, specifically in the first two games. And it has side quests which, uh, as much as I think positive about the main storyline, actually I enjoyed doing those more to the point that I was a bit gutted when I completed the last one, at least on the first playthrough, um, that, that I had. Um, they were all like wonderful little stories. And, and if you're going to go into this game, I absolutely, much like Deadly Premonition, uh, recommend doing the side quests um, w- when they're available because that's where I found the best experience of this game. It does look really nice, um, for a, for not just for a Silent Hill game, but for, for a game that's now three years old. And 
you know, if you're picking up this game second hand, it's worth grabbing. I would absolutely recommend picking it up. For me, it's the strongest Silent Hill entry since Silent Hill 3, um, which is is ironic because I went into the previous um, Silent Hills 4 through 7 in the hope that they would be, you know, the the next best since. And I went into this one with no expectations and no hopes and it ended up, you know going above and beyond i think some of the feedback is harsh you know we saw ign gave it a 4.5 at launch and and everyone was you know citing that and i think that is incredibly harsh for the things that go into this game um yeah i'm certainly the most positive on this one i would think but i don't think there's that many things to be negative about uh i wouldn't recommend homecoming i wouldn't recommend origins and Whilst you know, Shattered Memories did some really nice things, those nightmare sections uh, made me never want to play it again. Downport is the first game since the third game where I've completed it, and I thought, you know what, I really want to go through that again. And I think that's probably the best praise that I could actually give it for the, for the pennies that you can pick this up. Yeah, do it. All right, Silent Hill done. Tick. I think that's our longest series of of one. Uh, one franchise um, but we'll be doing an even longer one starting in the autumn if you haven't picked up on that already uh, that'll keep us busy for a couple of years uh, but until next time it just remains for me Leon to thank Josh, Sean and Carl and to tell you that in issue 179 we dazzle people with smoke and mirrors and swoop down like an eagle to clutch their hearts in our claws in our Killer 7 podcast <laughs>